Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Jane Smiley isn't just a Pulitzer Prize-winning novelist. She's also a St. Louis native, one who has a great answer to that classic high school question. Her alma mater is the John Burroughs School. In fact, the California native recently returned to the city where she grew up, um, and I'm sorry, I meant to say California resident recently returned to the city where she grew up for the 50th reunion of her class at Burroughs. The difference between Jane Smiley and the rest of the class of 1969 is that she didn't just visit. She also wrote a terrific essay about her trip for the New York Times. In it, she posits that St. Louis is the most enlightening spot in America for discovering what America really is. Joining us by phone to talk about her essay is Jane Smiley. Jane, welcome to the program. Well, thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. But I have to say, I was the class of 1967, not 69. The uh, New York Times took a long time to publish the article. Two years? Um, I had no idea. Yeah. Well, partly it had to do with stuff going on at the Times, but partly it had to do with, um, since I wrote it in the fall, they wanted to publish it in the fall. So when they missed out on uh, last year than they had to do it this year. That makes sense. And I have to give you credit. I feel like there's very few guests that we've had who are willing to volunteer that they're two years older than they than we thought they were. <laughs> yeah, but everybody who I went to school with who still lives in St. Louis would know. Oh, our phone lines would blow up. I would never hear yeah. the end of this. So, so thank you for correcting me. <laughs> and, you know, at first I thought I must have done the math wrong, which was also highly, highly possible. But <laughs> so, so this New York Times essay, the long-awaited New York Times essay, um, you start with some, some pretty high praise saying that this is, um, most Americans may not view St. Louis as a tourist destination, but they should. Were you kind of surprised to learn that on this trip back, or had you been, been fully aware of that over the years? Well, I think I'd been partially aware, you know, but what, when I came to the reunion, it was really fun to see um, the kids from, or the former kids from my high school, and it was fun to go to the high school, but what was way more fun was just to drive around. Mm-hmm. You know, we drove downtown, we drove out in the county, we drove out to Chesterfield, we drove everywhere. It was a perfect time of year. It was about this time of year. I think it was early October. So the leaves were fabulous, and the weather was really good. And I just adored all the driving around and looking at houses and looking at fields and looking at the river. And, you know, and that's what struck me. So what happened was I think I was at the zoo, and I uh, called... I, I texted or I emailed the woman who I usually do travel articles with um, at the Times, and I said, how about a travel article about St. Louis? And she said, and she texted back, or she emailed back, you're kidding, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, why would she assume you were kidding? <laughs> I don't know, because it, goes, it just goes under the radar mm-hmm. to come to St. Louis. Yeah. And it's interesting. So you kind of had that um, that flash that this was an idea when you were at the zoo. I, I thought what you wrote about the zoo was pretty interesting. It sounds like you had kind of a disappointing day for seeing animals, but you thought that was a really good thing. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, yeah. I mean, what I remember about the zoo from the 50s was um, all the shows and um, and because I loved going to the zoo when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've learned a lot about 
zoos and animals in zoos. And actually, my stepdaughter works in a local zoo and is very up to date on what various problems are, are in zoos. So one of the things that really struck me was that even though it's not so much a display anymore, it's, it's very much more a humane place for the animals to be. Mm-hmm. That they have so much more room to roam that on some oh, days yeah. it might not even be easy to see them. Yeah, but too bad. You know, <laughs> it, it's also a very pleasant place for us to be, the, um, the humans, mm-hmm. because it's, they've done a lot to make it, um, it. It's like a park-like venue. It's like going for a walk in the park. And you, you might see some animals and you might not see the animals you hope to see. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was fascinating. So you mentioned that you had memories of, of going there from your childhood in the 1950s. You were living in Webster Groves as, as a young girl. What was that yes. like? It was fabulous. That's... I totally loved it. Um, I, my, I lived, uh, my mom had an apartment. Her, her first apartment was in, was in Brentwood, and then she moved to a little house um, in Webster, Um, not far down from the center of town. And my grandparents lived on Clark near Avery School, and Avery School was where I went. And so until we lived in Webster until I was 11 or so. And as I got older, I got to explore more and more um, the, the various neighborhoods. And we also had relatives who lived in the um, fancy part of Webster that's, uh, I can't remember, was Oak, Oakland or Oak Park or something like that. And, um, and the, the wonderful thing about Webster is that it has all different kinds of neighborhoods all kind of, kind of smashed together. And so as you're walking along, you're seeing all these different houses, you're seeing all these different types of people. Um, it's, it was a fascinating place to grow up and to explore. Did you and I really enjoyed that. Did you appreciate it even at the time, or were you one of these people who's like, I got to get out of St. Louis, I want to go move to the big city? No, I appreciated it even at the time. I appreciated Webster, and then my mom, who was a fashion, uh, the women's page editor at the Globe Democrat, hmm. um, then she met uh, Bill Nully, my stepfather, and they married, and we moved first to Crevecourt and then to Ladue. And just to move around to all these places, even then, just fascinated me. And so you ended up moving to these suburbs that are maybe a little more suburban than, than Webster Groves in some ways, Ladue, with just the giant yards and, and the huge uh-huh. houses. Did you find yourself nostalgic for the Webster Groves of your early childhood? Well, I still went back there to see my grandparents. Yeah. So and the great thing about St. Louis is that nothing is very far from any place else. That's true. You could certainly still go back and visit. Yeah. And um, so there was just this sense of being able to visit and see all these different places and all these different parks and all these beautiful trees and all these beautiful houses. And I just liked that a whole lot. And then when I was, once I got my driver's license when I was um, 16, I I got it. I had. They gave me a car. Believe me, it was a Corvair, and <laughs> I'm safe at any speed. But I, I never got in trouble in the Corvair. Um, 
and uh, I would drive around and around. I, I, would, I adored horses, and I would, I would think I was driving around to see if, just to look at the horses, if I could see some. And there were some uh, around. But mostly I just loved the landscape and the, um, and the way that the seasons passed. I thought it was really beautiful. And that really came through in your essay that you love the trees and you really love the houses here. You said you found yourself browsing uh, the Post-Dispatch to look at <laughs> yeah. their, their real estate listings. Are we going to get you back so that we can say St. Louis's own Jane Smiley that, that you still live here? <laughs> mm, I don't know. You know the other, I have to say the other thing that you guys have that we don't have here is ticks. Yes. And, <laughs> that, that is something to be avoided. <laughs> and my my dog, when I was uh, like 12 and 13, was a French poodle. And she was kind of allowed to run around. And so I my job was to search through her curly coat for ticks. Oh, boy. Okay. I, I really didn't like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised you did not want to flee at, at your first <laughs> chance. And that was not meant as a pun. <laughs> So, so you said in your essay um, that St. Louis is the most enlightening spot in America for discovering America. What did you mean by that? Well, St. Louis is pretty much representative of both the good side and the bad side of America because so many people pass through. So many people come up, especially in the old days. You know, people were coming up the one river going up the next river, coming down. It was, it was a wonderful sort of melting pot of all different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had read, uh, now I can't Clarence Lang's book about St. Louis, Grassroots at the Gateway. Mm-hmm. And he talks about a lot about um, the, the melding of African-Americans, of white Americans, uh, the the coming of uh, other kinds of other populations and how they came to St. Louis and they settled there and they, and there were sometimes conflicts and sometimes um, getting along. And yet it was totally, um, it was much less, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it seemed like he, he kind of gave St. Louis some credit for saying that African-Americans had more power here, maybe, than, than other similar cities, politically speaking. Well, yes, that was because um, of the alderman situation. Mm-hmm. That, that the like mayor the here is city, fairly weak. Yeah, and the city alderman, the, the neighborhoods have, have had some say in the government, all the neighborhoods, including the African-American neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. which doesn't mean that things have worked out. That's the other thing that's interesting about St. Louis, that sometimes um, uh, sometimes relations are good, sometimes relations are bad. Mm-hmm. They're constantly being worked out. They're constantly being worked on. Yeah, you, you wrote that protests are as much of a part of St. Louis history as anything else. So sort of this this conflict between the people in power and the people trying to get power. This is the St. Louis story. Yeah, that's what that's what one of the things that Lang's book um, talks about. Hmm. Do you think St. Louis should get some credit for the fact that we are always kind of publicly airing our dirty laundry? Or do you think that <laughs> dirty laundry is so, so bad that maybe we shouldn't give ourselves particular credit for that? I don't. 
actually think the dirty laundry there is worse than anywhere else. I think there's dirty laundry everywhere. It's kind of classic American dirty laundry. Yeah, but the willingness to air it, to talk about it, mm-hmm. to deal with it is, um, is important. Mm-hmm. So- and so I think that's a virtue um, in any place, mm-hmm. um, is the willingness to get it out in the open. Now, when you were here for your reunion, as, as we now know, it was two years ago, but you stayed at the Cheshire Inn, and I absolutely yeah. love the image of you sneaking up to a different floor to find the rooms named after your favorite writers. Did any other guests realize that here there is a Pulitzer Prize winner in their hallway just geeking out over Nancy Mitford? <laughs> no, I don't think. Uh, nobody paid any attention. You, you did it very but surreptitiously. I did it, but it was... And I, it, but it was so much fun to stay there and to look around and to remember going there to eat meals with my parents when I was a kid. They had but, gone to the Cheshire um, for, just for dinners? or um, Yeah, just for dinner. We, didn't, we, we lived not too far away, mm-hmm. um, and they seemed to like going there. I don't know exactly what it was that drew them at the time, probably the food. Mm-hmm. There have been many iterations of the restaurant at that hotel, so. Yeah, but actually, you know, the best part about the Cheshire is that it's across from the corner of Forest Park, and the thing that I enjoyed the most is just walking down the various paths and the various roads around Forest Park and looking at the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. There's... And look, go on. Sorry, I was, uh, there's so many beautiful houses there, and, and again, the trees. Yeah. And that part of the park um, that they are apparently rewilding, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's really beautiful. I was just amazed and struck. You know, I love where I live, but um, it doesn't have that kind of history and um, that whole, you know, what, what a place needs to become a historical interest is to have had money back in the old days. Mm-hmm. And St. Louis had money back in the old days. So people could build things like Shaw Park, mm-hmm. um, like the Botanical Garden, I mean. They could build things like Forest Park. And they could build things like the beautiful houses that, that you see when you're walking along Skinker or down in the, in the West End. Mm-hmm. Um, and... When those things get built, then, you know, 50 years later, 100 years later, it's wonderful to look at them mm-hmm. and appreciate them. And so that's what I felt when I was um, walking around in St. Louis. And you also really enjoyed um, your trip to a more um, historically blue-collar part of town, which was you went to the Hill, and you had such high praise oh, for God. what you ate. Yes, you loved what you had at Charlie Guido's. I certainly did. I, yeah, I, I talked about that in the article. Um, it was a steak. Uh, I think it was called the Sicilian. Yeah, the, uh, the filet Siciliano yeah. or... Filet Siciliano. And this is and high praise coming I from a Californian. Yeah. And I've eaten f- good food everywhere, but there was something about the flavor of that particular dish, the filet Siciliano, that just 
literally blew me away. I have a feeling you're going to be causing a run on that dish. I think that's one of those dishes that flies under the radar here. And now this rave. Yeah, but watch out for the parking. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you did not have high price for Charlie Guido's parking lot. So before maybe people should take an Uber there if they if they want to follow in your footsteps. I think so. You know, we we after we had this wonderful meal and the and the um, and the staff was incredibly friendly and helpful, and we really enjoyed ourselves, and we were in a great mood. And then we got came outside and got into our rental car, and we were just scratching our heads saying, how are we going to get out of this parking <laughs> We're talking to author Jane Smiley about her trip to St. Louis for her 50th high school reunion and some of the highlights she saw when, when she was here. Um, now, Jane, you ended this essay on a, on a more sobering note. You went to the Cahokia Mounds, and, and you had high praise for them. But you wrote, yeah. when I looked at the Gateway Arch again on the way back to the hotel, I realized that I was in what is perhaps the paradigmatic American city, a busy place where history, commerce, art, and geography have often connected and often clashed in supremely American ways. And Cahokia, across the river, is the main lesson I learned, that nature can do us in if we don't pay attention. Talk to us about what uh, what your thoughts were on that. Well, I guess when I was growing up, I didn't realize, um, I didn't know anything about the Cahokia civilization and how they built the mounds and how long they lived there. And what a big deal and, this was. Yeah, it was a big deal. And, and for about 300 years, the civilization there or was extremely prosperous. And um, the evidence of that is how big the mounds are mm-hmm. and how large the whole area is. Um, but then, then, there was a, then there was a period of climate change, and they had become too prosperous, and they'd become, there are too many of them. And they eventually had to leave because they couldn't support themselves anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, this has happened many times in, the, in human civilization, where you make use of a certain area, and then you use it up. And um, things change, and you're now in danger, and it's no longer prosperous. And if we look around ourselves, um, at with what well, with the climate change that we're undergoing and the huge human population on the earth, we're in a similar situation to the Cahokians. So this is a sort of a warning, not just for St. Louis, but for all of America. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, maybe in some sense, sense, it's less of a warning for St. Louis than for a lot of other parts of America. Mm-hmm. like the shoreline on the East Coast, which I was just reading about yesterday, mm-hmm. or the deserts. I mean, in some sense, for climate change, St. Louis is in a good spot. That's because, a good point. I mean, we do have some increased yeah. flooding, but overall, yeah. we're not going to get deluged by the oceans the way a lot of American cities could be in some real trouble. Uh, yeah, it doesn't appear. And so, you know, or in California, I, I live in a really good place in California because of the way that the mountains are situated. We don't get the east winds, and so we don't get the drying winds that lead to fires. Mm -hmm. But when I look up north in California to where they do get the winds, or or down south where they get the winds and the big fires start, I think, gee, you know, 
even, you know, we like to think it's a great life in California, but how are we going to deal with this? Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much true of a lot of places mm-hmm. in, in St. Louis. I mean, excuse me, in the U.S. So, Jane, I hate to end on such a sobering note. We have time for just one more question. Yeah. (laughs) Some of our listeners, we told them that that you were going to call in today, and they were so thrilled. And one of them had what I thought was a really good question. He asks, if you can set a retelling of King Lear in Iowa, what would be a good retelling to set in St. Louis? And he adds, it doesn't need to be Shakespeare. He also wanted to add that he thinks you're terrific. So any any thoughts for one of your fans here in St. Louis? Uh, What should I retell in St. Louis? Hmm. Gosh, I never really thought about that. I did. I did write a book called Private Life, that um, that takes place a little bit in St. Louis. But so um, much and, of that is California. I feel like. Well, that's true. In in that's light true. of your love for St. Louis, I think you owe us an entire book. <laughs> if I okay. may be so pushy. <laughs> you got it. I, I'll start it today. Well, Jane Smiley, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and um, I hope you have a lovely fall. And I, I envy you the trees and the leaves that you can look at at your window. This is a great reminder for everyone in St. Louis that we need to appreciate what we've got here. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.